0: today on Ag News Daily.
1: When you have the toolbar right in front of you, then you can do um, cultivation really easily because you can see what you're doing other than having to look behind you.
0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and happy Tech Tuesday here on the Ag News Daily podcast. And I'm going to say it, it's our first Tech Tuesday of the year. I keep saying, you know, it's the first blah, blah, blah of the year, but I'm kind of a big uh, New Year's kind of person because it's like fresh start, fresh things. So I'm excited to share our first tech interview of the year. Delaney, what about you?
2: Absolutely. Do you have, Ashton, any New Year's resolutions that you want to share? I do actually. I have been
0: kind of on a fitness weight loss journey. I guess you want to call it just trying to be more healthy. So hoping to continue that in 2021. I got a little bit off my rocker when I went home for the holidays, but I'm getting back on that. I also, it's been a goal of mine to learn a second language and I've really been wanting to learn American sign language specifically because I feel like that can be really beneficial. And I don't think a lot of people who aren't hearing impaired, no
2: ASL. So those are two of my big goals for this year. Those are good goals. My goal is to say no more often, Ashton, because I'm a yes man. Oh, I am too.
0: I have such a hard time telling people no, but I think that that's just always going to be a part of me.
2: Yeah, me too. But that's my goal for both personal and professional is to spend more time focusing on like, my mental, physical and emotional well being. And to do that, I need to say no more often. So we'll see how long that actually lasts. Yeah, I don't think I could hold myself to that. No, I don't know if I will be able to either. But now we've told our listeners so they can help hold us accountable. I know I was just gonna say that I'll be your accountability partner. But I don't know, we have
0: a bunch of listeners, I'm sure that might check in on how our goals are going. But Other than that,
2: Delaney, what is some news that you're wanting to share today? Well, Ashton, we're continuing to watch commodity markets rally closing for the fifth day in a row higher or fifth session I should say higher and you know a lot of that is still being banked on the fact that we're seeing continued dry weather down in South America more specifically in Argentina. They are not getting rains they are continuing not to get rains I should say and if they are getting rains it's not enough really to be of noteworthiness And so we are continuing to watch that. We're watching that really closely here at Trader PhD, my my firm. And we've got a lot of growers asking us, you know, when are things going to fizzle out here? And it's really looking pretty good full steam ahead as far as the fundamental side of things, Ashton. Well, Delaney, if you recall
0: before our Break. We were reporting a lot on the H5N8 strain of bird flu that was kind of ramping through some European countries, foreign countries, I should say, because it wasn't just in the European Union or anything. But we are still continuing to see that bird flu run through Germany specifically. About 62,000 turkeys and ducks will be slaughtered after bird flu was found on more poultry farms in the country. The type H5N8 bird flu was confirmed in two farms in the Kloppenberg region in the northern state of Lower Saxony. Kloppenberg is one of Germany's leading poultry production areas, so this is pretty concerning, I would say.
2: Yeah, so do we have any updated numbers on where things sit as of right now, Ashton? No, I don't have those
0: at hand, but before we took our break, I know there were cases in Denmark, France, I believe, Germany, um, Japan, South Korea. I'm, I'm trying to like remember off the top of my head, and I'm probably doing not a great job of informing people, but uh, hopefully I can get those numbers tomorrow and report on that. It's a great follow-up.
2: Absolutely. It certainly is, Ashton. And today's a little bit of a slower news day as we're trying to catch up from everything that's been going on here during the holiday season. But one of those things that's coming right up on the docket is CRP sign up. The USDA on Monday announced a new general sign up for the Conservation Reserve Program, which will continue now through February 12th. Uh, Keep in mind, however, that as of November, 20.8 million acres were enrolled in the program, and the program currently allows about 25 million uh, acres of CRP ground to go, so there could still be quite a few folks signing up or looking to sign up for CRP, but you do have a deadline looming on February 12th.
0: Well, Delaney, like you said, it's a bit of a slower news day today. I just have one more story that I want to share concerning China. They have suspended imports from a Brazilian pork plant operated by privately owned Aurora Alimentos over coronavirus concerns. The Brazilian Agriculture Ministry confirms that on December 28th, Chinese customs authorities enacted an import ban affecting Aurora's plant. The Agriculture Ministry said that China, quote, requested information about COVID-19 cases at the plant without elaborating. The Brazilian Animal Protein Association said that it's supporting Ora Alimentos and supplying Brazil's agriculture ministry with information that Chinese authorities may need to reverse the ban. And the ABPA has said that, The Aurora plant has done well with COVID-19 protocols, and from what I gather, there aren't cases or, you know, a, a spike in cases being reported at this plant specifically, but that information hasn't been clarified as of yet. But it doesn't come as a surprise to me, of course, that China is kind of ramping down on those plants. It's been a trend
2: that we've been seeing, but this is the latest. Well, and I've got some updated news here, too, as we're talking about COVID-19 impacts and more specifically in the protein industry. Tyson Foods has appealed a federal judge's order sending a negligence complaint over their worker's death back in I want to say November. I'm not, don't hold me to that one. But, you know, this is following up with some of the news that we saw last month where Tyson fired seven different plant employees after investigations. So the company has now had the case moved uh, to the federal court on the theory that the company case involves issues of federal law. But back on December 28th, U.S. District Judge Linda Reed disregarded the December 28th order, sending the case back to Blackhawk County. So the family, it seems, is going to have to try and take up this case at a local level first before we see any sort of litigation happening at a national level.
0: Well, Delaney, that was a great follow up there. Like you said, we're catching up on things that we might have missed over the break, but I am all out of news for today. What do you say we hop into the markets?
2: Let's do that, Ashton. Other than one other quick thing I wanted to mention before I forget, I just saw this one uh, come across as well. You were talking about avian influenza, but I want to talk about African swine fever because we're continuing to see it impact other countries. China may be rebuilding their hog herd, but there's quite a few countries around. Around the world that are still struggling, one of which being the Philippines, which is not a huge pork producer or a huge pork producing country. But according to the USDA's Foreign Agricultural Service, they were previously expecting pork production in the Philippines to rebound this year, but Analysts are now saying that African swine fever is taking a larger than expected toll on producers there. We saw pork prices in Southeast Asia uh, spike to their highest levels of the year back in December. So I say back in December, but that was five days ago. So we are seeing some things continue to reverberate there in the Philippine pork industry. And like I said, not a huge market when it comes to producing pork, but the U.S. is actually the third largest supplier of imported pork to the Philippines. So although, you know, it's a smaller country, they're nowhere near the size of China, it does provide itself, uh, however unfortunate it is for the Philippine nation, that there could be some continued export demand to the Philippines the Philippines, as they're trying to rebuild their hog herd, Ashton.
0: I'm, I'm sorry, Delaney. It, it took me a second to, to kind of stop my giggling at you trying to pronounce the Philippines, but I, it sounds like it's I wasn't doing
2: so things. good. <laughs> yeah. Philippines, Filipino, the Philippine nation. I was having a little tongue twister moment there, Ashton, but one thing I will not trip up on today, I promise, is the commodity markets, especially because today I feel like we should have had another Market Monday discussion because we saw soybeans, they're really the big winner here, have been over the past few days, they had some significant moves today and Not only today, but last night heading into the opening session, we saw beans trade up 52, 58 cents. I mean, they were pretty dang close to limit up moves, which I believe is 70 cents for the soybean market. So looking at a chart, if you are a soybean producer, it looks pretty dang good. If you are a hog producer or a livestock producer or an end user trying to figure out how to adjust to these recent market movements, not looking so good, but. My heart is always there for the producer. Uh, So folks were probably pretty excited from today's moves, soybeans couldn't quite pull off a limit higher move, as I mentioned, but January contract did end up 33 and a half cents today to close at 1350. While well, the March closed up 34 cents to close at 1347 in the corn markets. They also had some big moves today, not quite as explosive as the soybean markets and March closed eight cents higher on the day to end at 491 and three quarters. The December up four to close at 438 and a half. Chicago wheat moved to the upside as well as the March contract added 12 cents today to close at 6.54. The December up nine and a half to close at 6.48 and a quarter. Hopping over to take a look at the livestock markets, they were recovered today after yesterday's limit down moves in the feeder cattle complex. Live cattle, however, February up to 22.75 cents to close at 115.05. The April up to 85 to close at 119.10 in feeder cattle January contract reversing today after their limit down moves yesterday with the January adding a dollar seventy-two and a half and a half to close at 13667 the march up a dollar 40 to close at 13742 and a half and lean hogs February down slightly today as they shed 30 cents to close at 70.92.5. The April up 47.5 cents to close at 74.10. And rounding out our markets with the class three dairy milk futures. January up 75 cents today to close at 16.17. The February up three quarters as well to close at 17.87. And now, Ashton, for our first Tech Tuesday back this year, tell us who we'll be talking to. Today we are talking to Steve Hekarov,
0: who is the CEO and founder of Solutrack For today's Tech Tuesday interview, we are talking to Steve Heckeroth, who is the CEO and founder of Select Track, And I'm really excited to talk to you here today, Steve, because, you know, before we started recording, we were talking about regenerative regenerative agriculture. It's still a hard term for me to pronounce, apparently, but uh, super excited to have you on today. So thank you for joining us.
1: I'm very happy to be here.
0: So, Steve, before we actually dive into what Select Track actually is, why don't you give us a little bit more information about you?
1: Well, um, I was brought up in Los Angeles in the 50s when uh, smog was a really big problem. And uh, I ran track and cross country along a freeway, pretty much ruined my lungs. You know, it was painful to breathe. By the time I got to college, I was convinced that we needed to uh, find a different source of energy than fossil fuel because of the pollution problem, and uh, I sort of dedicated my life to uh, to finding those those alternatives. I uh, first in architecture. i that's my background is in architecture. I designed zero energy homes. Once I figured out how to to build um, a zero energy home, I thought, well, what's the next biggest problem? And it was transportation. I started working on electric cars when the California Air Resources Board came out with the uh, zero emission mandate in 1990. And uh, I built uh, cars like uh, the electric Porsche Spider, which was a replica kit that I put um, a whole lot of lead acid batteries in. <laughs> it weighed a thousand pounds without the batteries. And I put 1400 pounds of batteries in it. And right away, I realized that the battery weight was the biggest problem with electric vehicles and tractors actually need weight for traction. So to me, they, they look like the ideal electric vehicle. And I switched my focus to, uh, to tractors from cars, and I've been working on them ever since the last uh, thirty years.
0: That's so interesting because I feel like with a lot of folks who are building these kinds of technologies, you know, I mean, tractors are not small, and you don't have really a background in agriculture. So I just I find that so interesting that you are so committed to your work that you went out on this venture. And it's it's very interesting when I look at these tractors because they don't necessarily look super traditional or anything. So can you just kind of go over the tractors that you have designed?
1: Well, um, the my main priority was to develop a tractor for growing food in the most efficient way without any pollution or greenhouse gas emissions. And so I looked back in the 50s when they were building tractors for cultivation of fields before um, they started switching to chemicals, um, you know, poisons, and just spraying those uh, herbicides and pesticides and chemical fertilizers. And the tractors back then, uh, my favorite was called the Alice Chalmers G., and it had the engine in the back and total visibility in the front so you could actually see what you're doing. And so I, I came up with the Farmer tractor, which has three hitches. It has the normal hitch on the back, which everybody's used to category one implements with a 540 PTO. And then it has this space in the middle where you can put toolbars for cultivating row crops. Uh, which is one of the most efficient ways to grow food is in uh, row crops. And you just, uh, you you plant seedlings and then you, uh, you control the weeds with cultivation. And when you have the toolbar right in front of you, then you can do um, cultivation really easily because you can see what you're doing rather than having to look behind you on, the way uh, all track, almost all tractors are built today, the, the hitch is only behind you. And then I went ahead and put a front hitch on it for mowing uh, so that you wouldn't go over um, the crop or the grass or whatever you were mowing wheels and lay down the crop. And then after you mowed it, it popped back up. If you have the mower in front, then the wheels don't go over it. And you can also put a low lift loader on the front to balance the weight of a implement on the back. One of the major innovations I came up with was um, exchangeable battery packs, which I have a patent on uh, on that on for electric tractors and that allows you to use any one of these three hitches to exchange battery packs and have um, unlimited runtime. Each, you can start out with two or three battery packs. One is always on board under the seat, and then, then one is on a hitch. So you can have really long run times and you can use the battery batteries to balance the weight of, say, an implement on the back, by by putting the uh, the battery pack on the front hitch. Usually, when you buy a tractor now, um, they have a, a weight bar on the front of the tractor, and you get these buy these eighty pound weights that you lift onto this this weight bar on the front bumper. Um, to balance the weight in the back and usually those get left on the front and it makes it hard the tractor harder to steer um, when you don't have weight on the back and so with the exchangeable pack it serves multi-purposes it uh, extends run time it balances the weight and uh and it and it still gives you the visibility where you need it so that was the e-farmer. And um, what I found was that uh, farmers really don't have a lot of money, um, which seems crazy to me. Food is so important. It's one of the things that's necessary for life. But uh, but farmers are um, kind of in a bind because of um, the way our, our price pricing structure works and the subsidies and for the bigger farms, the smaller farms, it's harder for them to compete. There is a, a market in vineyards and horse arenas where, where they have more capital to spend. So uh, I focused on the uh, vineyard market and created the e-utility and uh, we're working now on a, a 70 horsepower narrow tractor for the vineyards. But those, uh, those tractors were made specifically for um, uses like horse arenas and vineyards where they are already um, moving in a sustainable direction. They're already installing solar systems on their On their vineyards and so uh they're all ready for electric and then the last tractor was the uh compact electric tractor which we get from a company in india that we partnered with to get the transmissions another thing that happened in the 70s was that all the almost all the tractors in the western hemisphere anyway went to hydrostatic drive because it's very forgiving but they pretty much had to double the horsepower because hydrostatic drives are so inefficient because there's no direct connection like gears. So I had to go to India to find a transmission that would work, a new transmission that would work for electric tractors because they have to be a lot more efficient than than diesel.
0: See this is all interesting stuff, and there's you know so much more that goes into it than you know I would have ever thought, but are any of these tractors on the market as of now?
1: yeah, we've been uh actively selling them for three years now uh the e utility was the first on the market um, one of our first customers in Canada on um, in Ontario has, um, if you go on our YouTube channel, you can see many, many YouTube videos of uh, Wheelbarrow Farm um, and how they've uh, been able to eliminate. Um, <laughs> um, Tony just loves the uh, using the electric because there's no vibration, there's no noise. Um, he said he can work on it for six hours and not not be as tired as as he was when he used to use the diesel and with the hearing you know, protectors and and all the exhaust breathing all the exhaust all day. So and then we've sold a, some to um, vineyards. Um, harvesting is one of the most uh, Enlightening uses because uh, when we take our tractors out to uh, to harvest uh, grapes, it's the first time the people working in the field have been able to talk to each other because the uh, the diesel tractors idle at over 90 decibels all day long and all night long. Um, they they don't shut them off; they have to idle. And the electric tractor um, doesn't use any energy and it's, it's totally silent while they're picking the grapes and it may take uh, 10 minutes in a spot to fill up the bins. And then we move forward for 10 seconds to the next place they're gonna harvest. And the electric tractor is only using energy for those 10 seconds. Whereas the diesel is, like I said, idling all day long. So it's it's a huge, huge difference for uh, operations, slow speed operations like planting and harvesting.
0: Well, Steve, for the listeners that might be interested in, you know, purchasing one of these tractors themselves or learning a little bit more about Select Track, where can they go online to find you guys?
1: Um, www- select track s-o-l-e-c-t-r-a-c dot com that's solar electric tractors our goal is to have them operated mostly from renewables and on-site solar if possible
0: well steve this has been certainly an interesting tech tuesday so thank you again for coming on the podcast and sharing your story
1: Thanks very much for having me. I hope uh, hope we get a lot of interest coming in.
0: Again, a big thank you there to Steve for being our first Tech Tuesday of the year. Certainly an interesting one when we talk about technology i i think i might have said this on the podcast before you know talking about tractors and large pieces of equipment i would say is not really what comes to mind first thing
2: no definitely not yashin but another good tech tuesday interview yet again for this uh, tuesday afternoon You
0: certainly are correct, Delaney, but folks, if you want to go back and listen to any of our past Tech Tuesday interviews, it's just a tongue twister episode, I guess. (laughs) If you want to go back and listen to any of our Tech Tuesday interviews, you can do that at agnewsdaily.com. But until then, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.